asking friends. I have to tell you that over the years as a pastor in ministry, being with all of you on the stage here and even via video now is, truly is the highlight of my week. And I can't think of any better place to be on a Sunday morning than right here with you. The music, the prayers, the creativity, all pointing to a relationship with God and Christ empowered by the Spirit of God. It is truly an encounter with God and inspiring. So thank you so much for joining us. We are in a series for Lent. It's multi-generational Bible study. Many of you are in that. And the Sunday morning teachings are following the same texts that you're going through. Uh, it was probably a slightly different, in the words of Emily Dickinson, slant, but I still think it works. Let's go right, right to the text this morning. This text is, text is a zinger. I got to be honest, I was hoping to uh, skate through one more Sunday morning and then enter into a three-month sabbatical journey and... And uh, we've got everything covered uh, in ways that I think you will be delighted with. Uh, I'll be back June 13th. We're covered with pastoral care, with speakers, with pastors, Presbyterian pastors to institute communion and to moderate our session. Everything is covered. And I'm really grateful for those who have stepped up, including everybody in this room and staff and all of you for your patience on this. Uh, looking forward to some time away for a fairly significant personal and pastoral reset. You can pray that for me. And one other thing before we read the text. When it's your turn for the vaccination, get the vaccination. I uh, was pleased earlier this week to get an email from St. Jude, my health care provider, and it took some preliminary information so that when my turn comes, they've got what's needed. So I'm somewhere in the queue. Whenever that happens, uh, I'll be there with bells on, and I'll roll up my sleeve like everyone else. All right, let's ignite our hearts uh, this Lenten season with a morning entitled, Lavish Living. And this is a zinger text, so here we go. As I read it, I'll stop for a few moments at points, at places that I think are interesting to point out. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher! Didn't call him a rabbi, just called him a teacher. What good thing must I do to get eternal life? Think about that. What good thing must I do to get eternal life? So we're going to find out. This is a wealthy man. He wants to know what he needs to do to possess, to acquire, to buy, to purchase, to have eternal life. And Jesus replies, why do you ask me about what is good? Kind of changes the tables a little bit. There's only one who is good, namely himself. If you want to enter, now notice, he says, Jesus replies with, if you want to enter life. Doesn't talk about eternal life. He says, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Not a bad thing. So our man, who's checking off boxes, who sees this more as a transaction versus a transformation, says, which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, 
Now, Jesus' reply is only about the social aspects of the commandments, and then he adds one, and I'll point that out. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall honor your father and mother. And now here's the ad. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's not one of the Ten Commandments. It's in Jesus' recapitulation of the Ten Commandments when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit, and love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the capsulation, the recapitulation of all ten, drilling it down to two. Now the rich young man says this, all these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be, okay, here's a word I'm curious about, perfect. What does perfect mean? Nobody's perfect. Jesus is perfect. Nobody else is. I know I'm not. In fact, I guess I could be. I could be perfectly imperfect. I'd go that far. Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, go. And he wants him to do three things. Ready? Sell your possessions. Give to the poor so that you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad. I can, I can just picture it. His, his head hung low. He walked away slowly, wagging his tail because he had great wealth. Now, this could have been the first time that he had just heard this. His story isn't over. We don't know what happens later. All we know is what we have. He walks away sad because he had great wealth. Maybe he needed to go talk to his family. It's really not a bad thing. We probably would. Maybe he needed to go talk to his money person. Not a really a bad thing. We probably would. But perhaps he saw this as a transaction, not as a transformation. He just couldn't get his mind around what he was being asked to do. Then Jesus' disciples said to him, Truly I tell you, sorry, then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the realm or the kingdom of God. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom or the realm of God. Now, for those of you who went to the Holy Land tour with us a few years ago, we did see the camel's gate. And the camel's gate is unique and interesting because it's not a very high, tall door that you would think one could ride their camel through the camel's gate. No, in order to pass through with a camel, camel's gate, you need to get off of your camel, you need to unpack everything that you have on your camel, and your camel needs to bow, as do you, to enter through the camel's gate. There is a bowing, a submission in obedience. You have to get low to go through the camel's gate. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, well then, who then can be saved? Good question. Jesus looked at them and said, with human beings this is impossible. 
In other words, there's nothing that you can do on your own to get, have, and or buy or possess with your stuff eternal life. With this man, this is impossible. But with God, Jesus says, all things are possible. The reading of God's holy word. All right, I've mentioned it Wednesday. I mentioned it today once. I'll mention it again. This is a zinger text. I mean, how do we talk about our stuff, our money, our possessions, uh, in a way that's discipleship building in a way that goes deep. And I thought about this. I thought, you know, well, we could, we could talk about a few things. We could, we could talk about the question the rich man asked. Remember early on, the first one? What must I do to get eternal life? That's an interesting question. I mean, in his mind, he needed to do something in order to get something that would benefit him. And he's used to just forking out his cash. In other words, he uses his cash as leverage to get what he wants. Nobody in the church would ever do that. So he's got things really upside down. And then Jesus responds to the question, you know what, my friend, God's the only good one around. And eternal life is really not the point the point of the life is to have a good life, to enter into life right here, right now, today. It's not about leveraging your assets to get what you want, either right now or in the future. It's about having a great life today. It's about your attitude. It's about how you view your stuff. It's about how you view the realm of God. It's about how you view Lordship of Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus says no one can do anything to have a good life or even to have eternal life. It's a gift given by God, given by me to all of us every day by grace through faith. Then there's the, we could talk then about the second question. I mean, we could. Well, which commandments do I need to keep? Well, Jesus gives them only these social commandments. And then he adds, love thy neighbor as you love yourself. See, he's, he's trying to tease out of this rich young man his attitude towards his money, which he uses to leverage always to get, have, possess, own what he wants. Well, we could talk about that. You know, we could also talk about the meaning of the word perfect. You know, if you want to be perfect... Sell your stuff, give it to the poor, and then follow me. Perfect? <laughs> really? This is the only time I've, I think I've read the word perfect in Scripture. By the way, this is the only time in Scripture that someone is asked to follow Jesus. Jesus invites someone to follow him, and the subject refuses. What's happening here? What does perfect mean? Well, you know, to the Greeks, which it sounds like this wealthy man was schooled into, which wouldn't surprise me if he was a wealthy man, probably had education and schooling. Perhaps he was 
even an, an exchange student. He was able to go to Greece and study under the, the uh, philosophers there. You see, to the Greeks, perfection means virtue. Perfection means virtue. See, in his mind, the man possessed virtue. I mean, in his mind, it was a legitimate and honest, transparent question. I am a man of virtue. I've done all these things. I've lived by the rule of the law. I'd like to know what else there is. I've kept it all. To the Greeks, perfection is an overly spiritualized version of what one is being called to. In other words, I can love God by keeping all the commandments. That's a virtuous life. And Jesus throws things upside down and he says, you know, it's not just that, but you have to love your neighbor, the other, the foreigner, the outcast, as much as you love yourself. So go sell it. Give it away and come and follow me. I'll show you how to live like that. He couldn't quite seem to do it. You see, he didn't really understand that it's not just having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, American churchy language today. It's just as equally important to be engaged in a whole life for everybody, locally, social aspects of life so that all people flourish, whomever they are, wherever they live, whatever they believe in, whatever their skin color, whatever their politics. It's an open invitation for everyone to live life for the common good of all people. Now, to the Hebrews, perfection meant something a little different. And Jesus is hinting at this. He's inviting the man, to, the man, the rich man, to move from a Greek virtuous, overly spiritual version of perfection to a materiality matters type of perfection where we love God and we love one another and we leverage what we have for the benefit of the common good of all people, not just the ones that we like. <laughs> See, to the Hebrew, perfection means a complete and a whole life. Spiritual and physical. Those two can't be separated apart, according to Jesus. And the rich man separates them, and he focuses on the relationship with God, the rule-keeping of God, at the expense of sharing what he has for the benefit and common good of all. You see, total, complete wholeness of life for Hebrews is an unlimited love for other people, totally obedient to God with complete commitment to Jesus Christ. In other words, I hinted at it, it's a transformation, not a transaction. But the rich man sees this only as a transaction so that he can do something to get something. He leverages his money to get what he wants. That's called extortion. <laughs> Nobody would ever do that in the church. 
Now, Jesus is inviting him to another way with no strings attached, no extortion, just pure giving your life away like Jesus did and still does. That's perfection. Well, we could talk about that. You know what else we could talk about? We could talk about a text that's meant for wealthy folks. Ay, 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 ay. Did I really just go there? In other words, you know, here's your, where you run the risk. It's not a bad Sunday for me to consider doing this. I could just really drop this out there, run for the hills, and uh, let somebody else clean up the mess, right? Is this text meant for the wealthiest, wealthiest 1% of the people in the United States who really, I don't know who they are, I'm not one of them. Is this a text for those folks? Is it only about our North American context? Or is this text really about looking at the global scenario and situation? Because globally, pretty much everybody who lives in the United States, from global perspectives, is in the 1%. Now I'm in the 1%. So you know what? I could spiritualize this, be more Greek than Hebrew, and explain it away, call for a nice offering, have these guys sing the last song after communion, and I'm out of here. But we can't do it. We can't do it. This text is a text for all of us <laughs> in the United States, in the West, because we really are the 1%. And you know, it's really easy to spiritualize, sell your stuff, Give it away and come follow me. And make it all about me leveraging my assets to get and own and possess something because that's what I want. Well, we could talk about that. I don't think we'll talk more about that, but you know what else we could talk about? We could actually talk about what this text really means. You know, things like we really can't do anything to get a meaningful life or eternal life, God does that for us in Jesus Christ. Do I get an amen? This is the time of year where we, we ramp up to celebrate that. There's nothing I can do or you can do. You could be Bill Gates and you can't leverage your money. Enough. Although he's done a pretty good job on the global scenario. We can, however, sell out to deep discipleship by selling our stuff, giving it to the poor. And in this context, the poor is really the enemy, the other, the outsider. And then we can follow Christ. Like Jesus is asking. Well, those are just four or five things that we could talk about. I, I don't really want to talk about those today. You know what I really want to talk about? I really want to talk about this. How to make our lives one long gift to other people. Jeff Bezos' first wife is in the process of giving everything she's got away. 
She's in the process of that. Bill Gates is doing that. Other, Warren Buffett even, is doing that. Some do it better than others. Am I doing that? Are you? He is, was, and continues to be one of the leading thriller fiction writers of all time. He's a wealthy man. And a little over 20 years ago, he was walking along a road. He was struck by a van that hurtled him into a ditch. He was very close to death. Hospitalized for weeks. On the brink of death. Years later, he talks about still to this day how much pain that event caused him. He still remembers how painful that experience really was. A few years after this accident, he slowly walked to the lectern at Vassar College to be the commencement speaker, where he said this, a couple of years ago I found out what you can't take it with you actually means. I found out while I was lying on a ditch, lying in a ditch, at the side of a country road covered with mud and blood. I had a MasterCard in my wallet, but when you're lying in a ditch with broken glass in your hair, no one accepts MasterCard, I found out. In the months that followed, I got a painful but an extremely valuable look on life. We come in without clothing and we're broke. Warren Buffett, going to go out broke. Bill Gates, going to go out broke. Tom Hanks, going out broke. And me, broke. Not a crying dime, he said. I'm not going to even have a crying dime. <laughs> Should you give away what you have? Of course. I want you to consider, now he's speaking to college students, I want you to consider making your lives, and this is the phrase I love, I want you to consider making your lives, here it is, one long gift to others. And why not? No words in this speech are a better statement than this. I want you to consider making your lives one long gift to others. No strings attached. Don't use what you have to leverage, to get, to own, possess what you want. It's called extortion. Just simple. Make your life one long gift to others. So said Jesus. So did Jesus. And perhaps as we approach Holy Week, so ought we. To me, that is a lavish, lavish life of deep discipleship in Christ. One long gift to 
others. Give us the courage. Give us the courage to not walk away, but to follow Jesus the Christ.